Listen to this. Zakamani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Zakawani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Side by Side. We're coming to you after the Sounders recorded another impressive win, this time at home to an inform Vancouver Whitecaps, the Sounders. Dispatching of them kind of easily with a 4-1 win. Um, at times, looked a little nervy, but for the most part, I thought it was a win that from start to finish, the team was in command. And we'll cover this, but the team was especially impressive considering just who was missing. That was a huge win. And the road warriors, who've been tremendous on the road, continue that um, attempt to continue to break this amazing um, road record as they play away to Houston this weekend. We'll cover that. And a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Um, but yeah, one place to start is good win. Good win against the Whitecaps. I think it's the second week in a row where a team came into Lumen Field that had been in great form. We saw Colorado and, you know, the sound is dispatched of them quite comfortably. And the same with the Whitecaps, who in the last 15 games, I think, were top two or three in the Western Conference. Like, in, that's a long body of work, 15 games in this league. And so they were in good form. And I felt, again, apart from the goal from Brian White right before halftime to make things a little bit, you know, a little bit nerve-wracking, you don't want to go into halftime like that. Um, I thought the Sounders were in control. And when you look at the man at the moment, Christian O'Donnell is missing, Nico's obviously out. Raul didn't play. Uh, I mean, that's that's impressive. Knew who was gone. Alex Rodon was gone. These are all starting caliber players, um, key players. And to do that still against an informed team, score four goals, a couple of different goal scorers we haven't seen. Leo Chu getting off the mark. Um, it was tremendous, you know, brewing back among the goals. So it's one of those performances where, yeah, it's a routine victory, but... Um, it's definitely easier said than done because you go in there getting the team's best effort. And I thought the boys responded well. I do want to give a, a special mention, in my opinion, to I thought Kellen Rowe played really well, but I thought Wilburyn was by far man of the match. And mm. for Wilburyn to have a great game isn't, you know, like a Nico great game or Raul great game. It, it's, it's the dirty work, but I think it's being um, recognised more and more because it's so valuable. I mean, he puts his body on the line. His touch is very good, much better than we'd think it was. His link-up play, he's playing some unbelievable passes. And then he finally got on the score sheet um, at home. Um, we spoke to him about that on the post-game show interview. And he said, yeah, it was a sense of relief because he's playing well. But as a striker, unfortunately, you're always going to be judged only on goals. And as well as he played, it was important that he capped off of a goal. Um, so I thought, great win. Great win for the Sounders. Um, what did you guys think? Yeah, I think you had about nine cups of coffee today. Dang, dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's because they're See, recording later. We're recording at noon instead of 10. So we had more yeah. time to wake up. Yeah, trying uh, to chase yeah. two puppies, yes. <laughs> I think, oh yeah, oh, yeah that's, that's right. right. You got a new dog. That's, that's right. right. Um, for, before we start, did you decide on a name? Um, the Book of Eli. 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 Yeah. Nice. Okay. That's a good one. Like good one. That's a good movie. Um, okay, so reflecting back on, you know, two and a half weeks ago i think the yeah. big talk was about can the sounders win at home right and i think they all echoed the same thing in any interview you listen to it's like we have to make home a fortress we got to get back and really get three points at home and basically win out at home and it, it's just a mind shift right 
there's no reason why this lineup should have come out and won four to one against a really good Vancouver side right now. You would expect that from all the starters out there. Yes. Uh, but you definitely didn't see it coming with, with the guys that were out there. So there was a huge emphasis coming into these last two weeks about, Hey, we got these two games at home and then we got another difficult stretch of games and we have to get these six points over these next two weeks, because that's going to propel this team into the place, you know, obviously where they are right now, but uh, where they thought that they should be right. They didn't think at this point that they would have the record at home that they do. So they've, they've um, been able to write the ship, which is impressive. Um, you know, they're playing extremely well and uh, to put four goals on your rival at home is, is massive, right? Like that's one that you always just get up for. And for the guys to step up and do it, great performances all around, Um yeah, just really happy for Will Bruin to, to finally get off the mark and get that off of his back because, you know, thinking forward, it depends on how close Raul is, but if, he, if he's out for another, you know, week, that's already three more games that he'll miss, yeah. right? And so do you push him in those games? Does he want to be pushed? I don't think it's the right safe option. So Will's going to see a lot of playing time and he's going to see a lot of playing time with Freddie as well. Um is it time for Jordan to come back and get some minutes? How do Jordan and Will play together? Is that the right combination that we've been waiting for forever? Is it, does just Jordan need someone up there just to flick balls on and to, and to really knock, knock those balls in behind for, you know, Jordan to chase onto? Um, is there a partnership brewing there? We'll see, but that's, it's, it's exciting. And to see Will playing uh, happy, confident, you know, at that age as well, just nimble, nimble as can be for a big guy. And, and you love to see it. Side note, playing a team like Vancouver is, first of all, rivalry tough. They're one spot out of the playoffs right now. So that's a motivated yeah. team coming into Lumen wanting mm -hmm. to, I mean, they need to pick up points every game the end of the season. I feel like those are sort of those sneaky games where you're playing a, technically a non-playoff team, but they are revved up and they were really, I mean, it didn't look like a mismatch talent-wise, I guess. I just thought we mm -hmm. dominated. We dominated. It was yeah. great. No, I agree. Um, what do you make of Freddie's form at the moment? Mm. I think if he would have scored three, four, five weeks ago, it'd be a different Freddie we see right now. I think he's beyond frustrated. You could see it. Um, he's still celebrating with the team when they score, but, you know, it's that's it's tough for a striker. He's got to in that position, you have to do even more to get off the mark, right? Like you have to run farther than you think you can. You have to run harder than you think that you can. You have to pressure defenses more than you think you can. You might think you're doing enough, but if you want to get that goal, you've got to do more. And unfortunately, sometimes, you know, probably better than I do is that sometimes mm -hmm. goals come to you easy and naturally. And then sometimes you got to go out and chase them. And you've got to be what Ziggy used to say, Schmetz is you've got to be physically and mentally exhausted after the game. Um, and that's just because you're thinking the entire time. Right. Yeah. And for Freddie, he, he's got to solve a puzzle right now and figure out how to get on the score sheet. Uh, if he does, he's going to be confident. And I think that the goals will flow and maybe it's a good thing that it's waited uh, that we've waited this long for him to get off the mark at the end of a season and maybe get confidence going into the playoffs. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, he's different than anyone I think that I played with in terms of how streaky he is. I remember that very, very first year. I mean, he, he came out of the gates flying, um, scored, I think, in the first couple of games. And 
was playing very well. And then there was one time there was like a nine game streak where Summer. he hadn't scored. Yeah. And he just yeah. didn't score. And then even during, going into that second, I think it was like he scored like in eight or nine straight games. Like he, he then he, it's just weird. He'll get, he gets his goals in bulk. He'll get them all in a short span. He'll be quiet and he'll get them. What I will say is that I thought he played relatively well. I thought he actually yeah. played well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think effort, he's still, effort yeah. was tough. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's still doing the right things. He's running. You know, he's doing what the coaching staff wants. He has that little bit of quality with his experience now. His touch has always been good. He sees the game better than most. So I think, yeah, the goals are missing right now. But um, he is a streaky guy. Once he gets one, he will go on a run. It's just the way he is. You know, I and again, my game wasn't to score like his. Like, he has to score to survive. I think I, I felt good if I didn't score. But, hey, I played well. You know, I got a couple of crosses in. I'd feel good. Freddie has to score. Now, for Freddie to feel happy. Freddie, I think, would rather play poorly and score than play really well and not score. And that's yeah. a striker's mentality. Same with Raul. Um, Clint was the same. Clint, yeah. I think, yeah. They, they, yeah. They, they, they live that way, and that's why they are who they are. So, yeah, I think he'll be okay, ultimately. Um, and like you said, if Raul's missing and he's in line to get some kind of run, I think um, um, it's a good time for him to hit a streak of form, especially right before the playoffs. And a good time will be starting this weekend where the Sounders go away to Houston Dynamo, who is super disappointing, I say, I think. Um, I like Tar Bramos yeah. a lot. Um, I just expected more from this Houston team. I'm looking at the table now. They're second from last, uh, just two points above Austin. I mean, the you know, 11 points out of a playoff spot. There are five games left. That's gone. They've only won five games all year, conceded 45 goals, negative 12 goal difference. Um, on paper, it should be an easy win, but you know, playing in Houston is tough. Um, what do you, yeah, yeah. What, what, what should we, yeah, what should you expect from this game at the weekend? Well, I think you usually look at the calendar and you circle a couple of places, right? We've talked about this before. And Houston is one of those, like, all right, when are we playing in Houston? And if you told me I was playing Houston at the, you know, mid, mid to end part of October, I'd be like, oh, this is perfect time to play there, right? Yeah. doesn't get any better than that. Then there's no excuse going into that place. And the best of the Sounders, uh, Sounders should shine through yeah. um, when you're going into a place like that. Obviously, they're a better team, better form. Um, but it's, it's, it's a tricky game. Um, are the Sounders going to rotate the lineup based on um, uh, they have a midweek game, right? The next Wednesday from, yep. if I'm not correct. Yep. So, yeah. so be, being smart in that regard, but it's a Western conference opponent once again, and uh, you, you have to beat teams that you should beat on, on paper right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. At this point in the season, there should not be anything um, that will surprise you from Houston. You know what you're going to get. You've watched enough tape for three quarters of a season. And if you're not prepared for this one and you don't get out of there with a victory, um, I think it'd be a big disappointment for the Sounders. Uh, right? Am I, am I wrong in saying that? That would be a disappointment? Yeah. Um, and the midweek game, speaking of, is Colorado. Now, yeah. we, yeah, Schmitz likes to rotate at times um, with games, you not know, thinking of the next game ahead and thinking, okay, I want to play this guy 30 minutes here, 60 minutes there, or vice versa. Um, and it's not only midweek Colorado, and then you have Kansas coming. Um, and there, you know, this is the last time these two Western Conference juggernauts get to face off head to head and really see who's the better team headed into the playoffs. So, yes, I think Houston is three points from the table because if you're going to lose points, you think you'd come at Colorado maybe. It's a tough one, but you just never know in this league, man. You just never know. And the sound is, to be fair, I don't know that 
it's every year, I think there's one game you lose like 4 0, 5 0, when you kind of just say, look, we, we just didn't have it today. I don't think the Sunners have had that this year. Fingers crossed it doesn't happen, but at least once a year when I played, we'd have a game where you tried everything and everything that can go wrong would go wrong and you'd lose 4-0, 5-0, usually away from home. And you just got back on the team plane and said, you know what, it is what it is. We lost, we'll lift to fight another day. Um, haven't had that yet for the Sounders. So fingers crossed it's not this weekend, but it would be disappointing to drop three points in Houston. But I think, can this be another nine point week? That's a tough ask. I think it's a tough ask, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I wouldn't put it past the Sunday. And it, it, if they win this game, they break the club record for away wins, correct? Yes, correct. Yeah, which is a which is a massive achievement. Which is a massive With achievement. More road games to go too. It's not even the last road game yeah. of the season. So really yeah. impressive. Um, yeah, this three game week, it's going to be Houston, Colorado, Kansas City, and then on the twenty sixth, we play L- at LAFC. So right. big stretch. Uh, for four, four games in, I mean, like in 12 days, I think it is. So, yep. um, yeah, that's going to be tough. Well, we'll see. Um, I'm going to definitely get this wrong. But I want to say 5.30 p.m. kickoff, which means right. pre-game show at 5 p.m. Um, we'll be on Fox 13 Plus. That's the new name of it, Fox 13 Plus. We'll be on there. Um, make sure you tune in. 5 p.m. for the pre-game. Um, we'll take a short break now and we'll come back. I'm sure we have some over and under. And we'll cover a couple more quick little subjects. And I think James Riley will be joining us as well. This goes to the two guys that are, are not fathered yet. Fathers to dogs, but not <laughs> for babies. Same thing. We're just, <laughs> we're just smarter than you, bro. That's all it is. <laughs> That's um, funny. All right, let's hit it. Wait, I'm actually curious. One thing, Steve and Brett, yeah. do you guys get uh, pressure from people to start having kids? No. No. Because I literally get it every single day. Not right now. Keely's just working a way to be that foul. You know. <laughs> I can do that pregnant. I can do it pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, go for it, guys. All right, welcome back. We're going to get right to it with some over and under. Keely, take us away. Now it's time for Over Under, presented by Emerald Queen Casino. First over under. So as you guys may know, Max or Rudy is on the Dynamo. And I feel like every time we play against this guy, he has like 10 fouls against mm. us. Like every single time. He was on the Timbers. We used to play the Timbers, so that made sense. But no matter what team he's on, always. Um, he's only been used as a sub for the past two matches. So I set the over under at 2.5 fouls, fouls against us. Not yellow cards, just fouls. Under. Over. He's in good turn. So under, Steve says under. Three, four, I'll say four. James? Over. uh, Over. Over. Love it. 
Okay. He, he actually is a very nice guy. I will say that. Oh, he, I'm yeah. sure he is. It's just which is weird. Some every of the guys time, like, fouls all the time. They like that. Like the nicest people. Not always, but yeah. a lot of times. He's nice. Diego Rubio's like that too. Diego Rubio yeah. is, an, but then like in the locker room, he's joking around, having a good yeah. time. You know. Yeah. It's like yeah. James. It's like James. <laughs> I've heard in football that Aaron Donald is like that too. Really? That like he's that like I... the nicest dude, and then he's on the field and he's a sociopath. So yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. There you go. All right, next over under, it's going to be Stephen Fry saves. He's averaging just over three a game, but it's Houston, so mm. I'm going to do it at 1.5. He's not going to have a busy oh. day. I don't think he's going to have gonna a busy have day. A... Over. Over. He's going to have a busy day. Over. All right. Over. Yep. Yep. I think he's going to have two really good saves. I think Houston gets over. at least a goal. A goal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think we all went over. All right. Last one. And this one refers to um, your guys' broadcast buddy, Keith Costigan. Over under how many times Keith Costigan calls Pete viewing Pistol Pete the rest of the season. He's covering Ooh. three more matches on KJR for us. Over under 8.5 since he loves to call him at every <laughs> break. <laughs> over. Oh, over. Tough. Yeah, he does it every time. Huh? <laughs> 8.5 dollars average couple of the game. Three times of broadcast. No, I'm gonna go under. Under. All right. It'll be about six. I'll take over because I don't think he listens to this. <laughs> Luckily. <laughs> if he listened to this, it'd be way over now. Um, this has been over under, presented by Emerald Queen Casino, the betting partner of Sounders FC. Thank you for playing, James. Thanks again, guys, for always playing. Perfect. Um, yeah, before we go, I mean, there's a couple of subjects I think we, we wanted to cover last week. We didn't get a chance to do it. I think it's still fresh enough that we can. And I want to segue into it by, obviously, myself, um, James, Brad, played for the Sounders and have all in our own way done some kind of coaching and, and, and things like that. And I'm sure we're all in coaching for, you know, everyone has different reasons, etc. cetera. But, um, no, it's a huge responsibility, I think. And I've, you know, I did it at the high school level. I've done it a bit with club. I've done individual sessions. Um, James is doing a whole coaching business. Brad is, you know, coaching. I think the boys team and the girls team at Seattle um, Academy. Um, so coaching is a very important thing of it. And obviously, we saw the story that broke with in the NWSL with one of their coaches. Just, I mean. You can call it abuse of power. You can call it crazy, whatever the word may be. And I think the Sounders came out strongly um, with some statements that we covered on the broadcast last week. Um, and it's something that you know, I've not been on social media, but I've caught wind of it. I mean, it's been pretty unified in the response of it, but also crazy that this was allowed to happen for so many years, of course. Um, and we have, you know, a lot of friends on the rain. I know we all have personal relationships with people on that team. So we have to be allies and, and, and speak up when the time is right. And I think this is a good opportunity to kind of just cover it. And, um, and I mean, I don't know where to, I read the story. I think I texted you, Keely. I think I read it. Oh, I saw you at the podcast that day. and was like, did you see the story? It was, it was I hadn't just, seen it yet. I hadn't seen yeah. it yet. And she's a great writer. So she had me like locked in and just was bomb after bomb after bomb. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, Keely, you want to maybe be the voice that leads us in this? Because I think yeah. maybe I should be more listening. But yeah. Um, no, I actually, Steve, for the record, was the one who sort of reached out to me before this podcast episode and was like, we definitely need to spend some time to talk about it. And I appreciate that. And I know all of our fans and everyone in the NWSL appreciates the fact that you know, we're spending time to actually talk about this. And there's one thing that that was very eloquent, what you just said. And there's one thing, though, that you said that isn't 
that, that sort of bothers me. Mm-hmm. And it's that it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Nothing about this is crazy. Mm-hmm. I have a Paul Ry- I've had a Paul Riley in my life. I guarantee what? you most women out even outside of sports everywhere mm-hmm. has had a Paul Riley in their life. This story is sort of too I, I hate calling it a story, but for the you know purposes reality. of reality. Whatever, yeah, yeah reality. Yeah. The reality, I think that there's two sort of issues at play here. And I, I wrote them down just so that I would kind of articulate it well. Yeah. So I think that issue number one is lack of support for female athletes and women's sports leagues, as well as the players' rights issue and making sure that the NWSL is a safe place for these players to be, that they have a voice, that they have a seat at the table, and that this never happens again. And I think that in that sense, the response I've seen from former players, from current MLS players, has been amazing. Everyone should go read Stefan Fry's tweet about the situation. Christian Roldan came out with a great statement. And I think they were great because they were unequivocally like, this is wrong, this was abuse, and this is terrible. And just being so plain in your language is so important. Number two, and more broadly, is that people in power are consistently allowed to operate in predatory ways, and it's not just a women's issue. And I think that that's why this scandal speaks to so many people in so many different ways. I know for me it did because, like I said, I've had a Paul Riley in my life. And I feel okay talking about that with you guys because, again, I trust you guys. I have a great work family at the Sounders. But nothing about this is crazy, but it's crazy. Yeah. Very well said. And very, very well said. And I'm sure, you know, James and Brad will have thoughts as well. on this, it, yeah, it's an ongoing situation, obviously, but um, I'll let those guys um, chime in as well. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's, you know, when I heard about it, it's a, um, it's like this series of really unfortunate, and I think, Steve, I, I've never been in a situation like that, nor have I ever been involved right. with anyone that has been in a situation like that, open and outwardly, so Keely, I appreciate you. Yeah. bringing that up to us uh, that's the first that i you know we've we've talked about it um and it makes me really sad but it also makes me really angry uh, just especially this is my first you know kind of six months being in um you know high school women's soccer and coaching these ladies and just seeing how um malleable they are and how impressionable they are and for someone to take advantage of them in a way other than just trying to make them the best soccer player and human being that they can be. And, you know, ultimately it's not even about soccer with these girls. It's about, you know, life and life lessons and, 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 you know, dealing how to, how to, um, you know, perform on the field, but also carry those things over into life. And I just want what's best for them and to see and to hear of, you know, situations where they've been, taken advantage of is is really sad um and obviously angry at the same time so you know obviously i think we all stand behind you know the nwsl and and the players and the voice and for a lot of us it's hard to articulate words um you know especially on social media and but unequivocally we stand behind you know the mission the statement of the nwsl and um all, all of its players as well Yes, I would just second what everyone else said. I mean, obviously an issue that that obviously hits near and dear 
to some people. Obviously, Keely, I appreciate you sharing. I think being a father of a young girl, it, it hits home and it resonates. And I also think, I mean, Brooklyn, my three-year-old, has her first soccer game this weekend, this Saturday, right? And you said you take a game that we've all loved and enjoyed and experienced at its purest form. And, and for that, a coach to kind of use that in an element in an arena where, you know, these girls and, and others just want to play this beautiful game and be coached and, and have a transformational experience, whether at the youth level, collegiate level, or professional level, I think, you know, that that's a, it's a betrayal of trust, which is the biggest thing. Um, and, and, and I think the soccer community's had a lot to, to, to be, you know, I, I always think about how, how outspoken we would have been. So that's why I, I could commend like a Stephen Fry, a Christian Rodon for being, very outspoken, but then also being able to refocus and play on the field, but being like, listen, no, these, these issues are not right. They're not acceptable. I have a platform. I want to use it. I will use it. And then I'll also be able to go out and play this, this game that I love. And, and I think, you know, that is exceptional, but, but certainly we're in full support of the women's game. Um, again, me being a, a father of a young daughter, right. It hits closer, closer to home. Um, and so I'm certainly mindful of that. Um, yeah. But Keel, I appreciate you sharing. I mean, James, you've had obviously coaching now for a few years and you've had both boys and girls, teenagers in your coaching program on both sides. How much of it, or when did you realize that a lot of it was less about teaching them soccer and more life values, life skills, um, which I think is what this conversation ultimately comes back to. It's bigger than the game of football. Um, what happened here is, is tragic and it's way, it's life. And so coaching, I'm viewing it, it's more, it's a mentorship and you have a chance to really mold um, the minds, as Brad said, they're very impressionable um, young teenagers. We all were. Um, you have a chance to really mold the character and moral code of the next generation um, to just treat people like human beings. I think that's what the basic comes down to. So you've had both, um, you know, girls and boys you've coached, you've worked with in group settings, one-on-one -on -one settings. Um, what sort of values or lessons are you trying to pass on to them and how serious do you take that responsibility of, you know, the mantle of molding a next generation? No, great question. I, th I think my, you know, my, my personal training program is called, you know, JR7 Soccer Elite Soccer Training and Mentorship. The mentorship is key. I got, that was such a key piece. And that's what attracts a lot of, of parents and players. And you, like you said, it's a lot of life skills. And we actually just shared one with our, with our club yesterday, Steve, was, you know, living below the line. Or living above the line, right? Living above the line is kind of in the soccer sense is all those championship habits that you're trying to create, being on time, you know, being proactive in your development, um, working hard in training, uh, doing your your due diligence in inside and outside the classroom, on and off the field, on social media, off social media. Those are like above the line behaviors. Below the line behaviors are doing everything that I said in opposite, right? And then I said once if there's a gray area right? And it's right on the line. I said, that's when you seek counsel. That's when you seek your coach, your mother, your father, a mentor. And that's when you seek counsel to figure out is, are these actions living above the line going to take me closer to my goal? Or are these actions below the line going to take me further away from my goal and the person I want to become? So I think that the transfer, we, we have an opportunity to be transformational and not just transactional. So I think that that's what really differentiates. A lot of people ask me what differentiate say, say the professional game from like the collegiate or youth game it's one for me the the professional game and it's rightly so is, is very transactional it's a very transactional environment I know that from being a player and then being working at uh, the league offices it's a very transactional environment that's just the nature of the business 
the college and youth game is a very transformational exchange and that's the power of it. And that's for me, I resonated more with the transformational aspect and that's why I decided to leave, leave the league office. Although I had a great experience, learned a lot, but I feel better and more alive in the transformational space. So I, I think you're spot on. It's a lot of it's teaching them high performance habits and habits off the field. First, I think when, when I played my best soccer over my 11 year career is when I was the most balanced. And even, you know, my birthday's this month and I'll be 39, which is crazy to think about. But even now I'm continually trying to refine my processes as a coach, you know, how, how to resonate with this young generation, how, how to be life-giving in my exchange and interaction, how to be stern when we need to be stern, how to um, encourage when they need that encouragement. And, and it's all those things. So I think, you know, we coach, but we also learn a lot about ourselves in the process in doing so. And you can't, you can't really lead others until you learn to lead yourself. And so that's being balanced in your own individual awareness and your own personal awareness, your own personal journey. And I think that that gives you the foundation and opportunity to then be able to, to coach and lead others. Um, and, you know, we've been fortunate. I've been fortunate to have a lot of good coaches in my life that were transformational, but also I've had some bad coaches in my life that, you know, that, you know, I just didn't, didn't relate to. So, you know, I certainly take, the opportunity to be a coach slash mentor. And I always say mentor, you know, very seriously. And, and I, I look at it as an honor um, to be able to do that. Yeah. Well, and James, that's so great that you say mentor because that's what makes us so devastating. This guy yeah. is supposed to be their mentor. Yes, right. certainly. Certainly. You know, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. A betrayal of trust. That's the biggest thing. Those are like a massive betrayal of trust in multiple, um, multiple arenas, multiple spaces as a soccer coach, as a mentor, as a friend, as a trusted advisor, that, that, that's, what's disheartening is, is, is multiple, um, betrayals of trust. So yeah, agreed. Like just respect and treat us like humans and listen to us. Right. Um, yeah, well, I would say, I mean, always you let due process play out. And this time I think it'll play out in a way that we all should be happy with. I mean, aside from Paul Riley, never coaching again which is, I'm, I'm talking any level, any league, any, this is, you shouldn't be trusted um, around other, um, um, other athletes or anybody. I don't know who would hire him at this point. Um, and I don't know that, maybe I've missed it. I don't know that he's come out and owned up to it, which would be the honorable first step, but I doubt there's any kind of online such a person. So um, short of that, I think the league failed, um, those women players I think the league failed them I think it's correct that the commissioner resigned um rightly so because it, it was it was completely failed um so I think it shouldn't happen again and I think the sounders came out and most people came out and spoke up against it because you have to you have to and it took off place over a number of years and what I will say and we're not going to get into the John Gruden thing but he's the first of many dominoes I'm sure the same is on this side as well um it's not the only person doing it it's not the only instances of abuse so um to the rain you know um who are in our community and you know our friends on that team and friends we have all around of course you know we're allies and we're with them and i think you know it's a it's a wake-up call for the soccer community in this country to um to just do better do better and be better and knowing some of the people involved um in this is it definitely will hit closer to home i think for all of us as well so I think that's as clear as we can be on this, but it's a subject that had to be um, spoken about. And we hope these sort of instances um, at the youth level happens crazy. It's crazy, some of the scandals. Um, the US gymnasts have gone through it as well. We just hope 
these become few and fewer far between as we evolve and move forward as a society, is what I would say. Perfect. All right. We do have a game this weekend. Sound is against Houston. Um, let's get some predictions. Brad, I, I did want to come out because Brad said he's going to have a busy day. Now, Brad, I'm looking at Houston. They've played 29 games and scored 33 goals. Not exactly prolific. Um, Their starting lineup in their last game, I'm just going to tell you who their attacking players were. So they lost 4-2 to Kansas. We saw that game. Um, their two forwards was um, Fafa Picot, who's been fantastic. Yeah. He's been, I mean, he's got 10, 11 goals in a really bad team. Um, Corey Baird, you know, decent MLS player, not, you know, whatever. Behind them was Darwin Quintero, who I maintain is the best player I ever played against, excluding international friendlies, Messi, drug, blah, 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 um, in terms of in his prime. But he's old and he's not in his prime. You think that trio plus the supporting cast will give Stefan Fry a busy night? Tell us why. Yeah, I think the Sounders have had trouble dealing with pace this year, as good as our back line has been. And I think all of these guys are not the prototypical MLS striker out and out number nines. And we haven't had great success in dealing with those types of strikers. Um, and now you add all three of those to one lineup. Uh, and I think that they have the ability to get in behind the Sounders defense and, and cause some trouble, especially in Houston. Now, if we're playing in Seattle, I'd say absolutely no way. But there's always a bunch of motivation for these guys playing at home. Um, but I, I do think that they provide a challenge to the Sounders. And you, and you saw it against Vancouver, too, is a, a pacey side um, can still give the Sounders trouble. And I think that actually this Houston front three on paper, I think that they're better than the maybe not better than the front three, but more experienced than the front three of Vancouver. Right. Dahomey is a very good player but he's not as experienced as, you know, a Baird or, um, you know, a, a Quintero, right? So I do, I, I do. I, I think that they'll provide a challenge. Now, do the Sounders still win? Yes. But I think Steph's going to have to have a big game for them to do that. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, lineup change. Yes, no, lots of changes. Colorado's coming up in midweek. You still have some injuries. Guys coming back from international break on short rest. I think it's up in the air what Schmetz does. Um, James, if you're, you're, you are a coach, would you lean with going with what works for you last weekend and then keeping a Christian Rodan out, keeping, you know, maybe an Alex Rodan out, or do you automatically insert those guys back into the land? Great question. I think a lot of it also has to do with the sports data that comes back, right? Obviously that's being exchanged um, and, and seeing kind of where they are. All things, you know, all things cleared. I say, you, you, you know, you, you go back to the original lineup and you insert the guys that have, you know, been your workhorses throughout the year. And then when you, if you need the others for the midweek game, then you put them back in. I think that's what's been great for the Sounders. It's the next man up mentality. And these guys feel that they can win at home, away, with their international players, without them. I mean, it's just these guys just come ready to compete and get results. So um, I think that's what makes this group very special. Keely, prediction? 3 nothing Sounders. Oh, wow. Okay. 3 nothing Sounders. <laughs> hey, coach. Yep. Oh, wow. okay. <laughs> That's my uh, prediction. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> yeah, from your mouth to God's ears. Let's hope that'll be a great weekend. We'll be doing it. Fox 13 Plus broadcast, um, 5 p.m. pregame show, 5.30 p.m. kickoff. Should be a good one. Should be a good one. Away to Houston. Sounders win here and they break the record for Sounders winning um, 
away from home in a season, which is just in this kind of season to do. It's fantastic. Um, I do want to give one last word before we go. We marked last weekend secured, it wasn't in doubt, but secured 13th consecutive playoff appearance. Now, to, to, during that time, okay, there was the Galaxy powerhouse that we, three of us, directly went up against. I'm talking, first it was Beckham and Landon, and then they added Robbie Keane, and they had a five-year span, and then you know, a certain individual on this call, we won't mention him, went to help them get their fifth title. Um, and so they really were the powerhouse. But then the Galaxy as a club have missed the playoffs three, four years, maybe. I think, I can't remember that number, but they've been shocking um, in the last few years. And only Zlatan was the bright spot, really. And then Greg Vanny's gone there. Maybe they made the playoffs this year. Toronto has been a powerhouse too. Been in three finals with the Sounders in a space of four or five years. They're near the bottom of the East. I mean, they're imploding. Star player arguing with the coaches, coaching changes, etc. My point is, it's not easy to maintain success. You know, the Timbers in this last decade have won an MLS Cup, but... They've been up and down. They've missed the playoffs during that time. What, Brad, do you think it is? And you were here from day one. You've captained the club. You were there with us in the expansion year. 13 straight years. And just to give Schmidt some credit here, in the last few years alone, they've lost Chad Marshall, Clint Dempsey, Brad Evans, Osvaldo Alonso, and just kept going. These are mm-hmm. big players. And they just kept going. So how have the Sounders done it differently? Why are they so good, it just seems? And... 13 straight years is absurd. Yeah, I think it's smart business decisions, number one, and, and, and finding the player personnel in the right ways, the right fits, and never really going beyond their means. And there's a lot of sports teams that will stack a team for a year and then win a championship, and then you never see them in the playoffs for four or five years. And the Sounders' rich tradition of always being a successful team in the USL days, 70s, you know, 90s, winning those, you see the championship banners up in, in CenturyLink, that means a lot to this club. And it has for a long, long time. So if you're a new organization, I think a team like LAFC, they came right out of the gates and splashed a whole bunch of money on a bunch of players. And then all of a sudden, two, three years later, did they find success? Absolutely. Did they have the best record in MLS history? Yes. But now they might not make the playoffs. And is that the gold standard you want for your team? Or do you want to be consistent on all fronts? And that's winning open cups. That's making the playoffs every single year. It's, it's having the best defensive record in the league consistently, right? Year after year after year. And those standards have been upheld and it's really just smart business decisions. Um, you talked about it, right? They went out and got Keen, splash, and then a dip. And then they went out and got Zlatan, splash, and then a dip. You know, you look at Giovinco, splash, and then they have a dip, right? That's not what the Sounders do. They don't go out and buy that 9, 10, you know, $11 million player and hope that we win the championship and then we can't build the team around them. So this sport is about team, number one. It is not about one player that wins you championships. And the Sounders have proven that tactic uh, since day one. And we were all just, we're, we're always talking about all of us, right? Is like how special it is to be a part of just an organization that has a winning tradition and what that, what that has taught us as humans, you know, going into our next phase in life is do we put all our eggs in one basket? No, we, we, you guys are building something over time and building success in both of your careers that is setting yourself up for the future. And that is what's so important to me and and these ever uh, everlasting lessons that, you know, this club has taught me as well. Yeah. Um, James, I think, you know, we'll give you the last word on this part of it. Um, when you think of 
the, for the early years, especially for the Sounders, what is it that we got right? Because I think you'd already played for New England, you played for San Jose, um, you've been around MLS at that point. What did the Sounders get right in those early years to set us up to, I mean, incredible first five years or so we had um, as a franchise when you were here? No, I, and I think to piggyback on Brad, I think, you know, smart business decisions and then also minus the one of letting me go. But the other than that, <laughs> it was, um, it was um, culture. I think yeah. we all came in and because of the established culture of the early Sounders and because of the USL success with Smetzer and you have those guys, Taylor Graham, Roger, um, Sebastian Latou came, you know, the success that they had and, and just brought a recognition that the club was bigger than people had thought. And it was bigger than yourselves and that you were, you know, you were coming into an ecosystem that demanded results. So I think winning is in the culture. It's in the DA DNA from anyone, anyone and everyone that's where the, that's worn the Sounders badge from anyone and everyone that supported a game in the rain at the dome, you know, everyone that bought season tickets, the first inaugural season in 2009, like everyone played a massive part of that. Um, Apart from that, I just think, man, I can't pinpoint it. The biggest thing I say is culture. To have sustained success like that over a 13-year period, and I, and I said it on the broadcast the last time I was on, was there's not an expectation. There's a hope for other teams to make the playoffs. Literally, you go in and like, man, I hope we can make the playoffs this year. Sounders is, yeah. no, we already know we're going to make the playoffs. We're, we're, we're looking to set ourselves up with home field advantage to host another MLS Cup. Like it's, mm. you know what I mean? So you've already set yourself apart from every other, every other team. It's like, no, we will make the playoffs. It's just, do we make, you know, do we put ourselves in contention for home field advantage? And they seem to do that year after year, you know, at least, you know, um, for initial games or whatnot, and then be able to host an MLS cup. So, and I think just a balance, it's a balanced roster, a balanced roster and guys come in and do your job. Almost right. I played in new England. I played for, you know, the Kraft family and the New England Revolution, it was similar. Once they were in their heyday, it was kind of like guys just start came in and did well and felt elevated enough to play kind of below what you're or above what you're capable of because the fans are there. You have the culture, you have the organization. I think what made us special those initial years was behind the scenes stuff. Honestly, I think Grant Clark has been an unbelievable pillar in that organization and the stuff he does behind the scenes. I think Vince Johnson as well, that, 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 um, that medical staff, I know Chris Cornish has been there from the jump, but Randy was there from the jump. I'm trying to think in the community, you know, that the, the fact that we were able to pair up with the Seahawks yeah. and they brought their best practices and keys to success helped us. And I just thought as players, we were taken care of from the jump where other organizations had struggled with reimbursement checks, with moving expenses, with this and that. I remember showing up to the hotel and having my 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 hotel room stacked with water and gatorades inside the hotel room inside mm -hmm. your room stacked with water and gatorades stacked with a welcome pack like a massive welcome pack package and with your your reimbursement check five thousand dollar reimbursement check listen five thousand dollars to this day is still a lot of money in 2009 when you had to like big claw money. and fight big money when you had to claw and fight for a reimbursement check they were proactive and said you are owed five thousand dollars for reimbursement for a moving expense here it is. And it was already in the room. I mean, it just, the things that they've yeah. done behind the scenes, I feel and the details that they've done behind the scenes with people, you know, Sandy Gregory in the community um, just help kind of elevate the play of players. And we just felt taken care of, honestly, yeah, and so. that allowed yeah. us to reciprocate that on the field. And then you yeah. bring in the fan base and it's a different thing, but I just think yeah. winnings in the DNA of the Sounders yeah. long before 
we were there and, and we've just been able to kind of hold the torch as well and, and keep moving forward. So that su- sustained success is so impressive to me. Yeah. Unbelievable. I think, I think there was even, if you've got a play of the week or goal of the week, you come in on Monday morning and in your locker, there was a flower basket. Congratulations. A yeah. gift card to like a gaucho, like $50 yeah. now. I guess you were salad at a gaucho, but that's not the point. <laughs> so, um, it was, um, yeah, I think they just done things the right way. I think, yeah. Signed well, Casey Keller obviously coming home was huge. Lundberg, I think, in that first year was huge. Signed young international players in Freddie, Ozzy, got them right, obviously. Um, drafted well from within MLS, U2 on this call, you know, and some of the other people drafted well out of college, a certain guy that came from Akron. Um, so I think he just did everything right. They did everything right. But congrats to the Sounders organization, 13 straight playoff appearances. Um, it, it, it's it's absolutely brilliant. And then this weekend, going for the record for most away wins in the season, um, by Keeley's count, they'll get it with ease, 3-0. So we shall see. We'll be back next week. We'll be recapping two games, Houston. And don't forget the Sounders go away to Colorado midweek and then previewing a massive game against Sporting Kansas City. The game's coming thick and fast, but the best time of the year. This has been Side by Side. As always, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week.